Hello and welcome to DFS Coach Talk. It is Friday, May 1st, 2020. I am Andrew Hansen, and I'm excited to be joined again by Shane Caldwell here for day two of our NFL podcasts, the virtual tour of the entire NFL. We're going through one team at a time. And if you missed it yesterday, Shane had a, a cameo appearance from Cliff Kingsbury. He did a nice impersonation there. Um, how are we feeling today, Shane? Are we going to get another impersonation? Uh, I'm feeling good. It's it's Friday. We made it to May. Uh, I don't think I'm going to do the Sean McVay uh, impression today. So although Sean McVay had a pretty nice house as well, and his pro- his girlfriend's probably even better looking than Kingsbury's. But, <laughs> uh, so yeah, those guys are, uh, yeah, these, these young coaches are, are kind of on fire. Uh, but, you know, as we'll talk about today, I don't know if uh, maybe the, the McVay fire uh, was starting to uh, simmer down a little bit last year. Uh, so we'll see if he can reignite that with his uh, coaching genius, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't blame it. You know, you nailed the uh, impersonation yesterday. And it would yeah. be a little bit confusing here with Sean and Shane going back and forth. Um, yeah, so often confused. Uh, yeah, Shane and Sean often confused. So yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I actually heard a clip where, Sean McVay was, uh, you know, throw, throwing a little flack towards Kingsbury for, you know, how much he hyped up the the background of his of his mansion there. Um, uh, but it is, it is funny how Sean McVay's, you know, the picture outside the window looked very similar, didn't it? Yeah, they had the same exact landscaper and yeah. everything. So, they, <laughs> yeah, they're, they had competing. Uh, they were definitely competing uh, with the, who could get the best house, you know, the best look. So, yeah. So today I see the Tigers hat. You're a big yeah. Detroit guy, uh, Detroit sports. Um, but I'm a little bit surprised you don't have some sort of crown on because you got the the victory last night in the DFS Coach Talk uh, NFL Simulation Challenge. Congratulations on that. Yeah, I was kind of overdue because I, I haven't been doing well in the NBA lately. So I was due to get an NFL one. So, yeah, so this is uh, my Tigers hat, the crown. But, yeah, you, you're still you got the crown of the Sim King uh, right now with uh, what do you have? Five wins. I've got five wins right now. It's a race to seven yeah. uh, with our pros and our members. It's a joint contest that we run. We do one or two per day, and it's a lot of fun. You know, this crown really was yours uh, just a couple weeks back. You were yeah. the champion. You were the champion of the DFS Coach Talk Challenge. Yeah. So I was I was inspired by all of your top finishes, so I've been trying to match you. Uh, I know. I made everyone step their game up, and I'm kind of glad the target's not on my back now because now that you're – two wins away from clinching. Uh, I think the target's on your back now. So now it's you versus everybody. <laughs> That's right. It, it is a race to seven yeah. uh, and it's a lot of fun. So if you haven't checked out our website, uh, go take a look. It's dfscoachtalk.com. You can join as a member with either a weekly, monthly, or annual membership. And those memberships will be frozen until we get baseball or basketball back up and running. And we are unique in that what we do here at DFS Coach Talk is we really use the eye test. We hand build all of our lineups. Uh, We don't use optimizers. We aren't against it, but uh, that's just not how we approach it. And when you're a member, we provide lineups for you uh, in every sport for DraftKings and FanDuel. And and that's how we set ourselves apart. So we're going to continue to provide these free daily podcasts, and they are going to be seven days a week. All year round, the three sports that we cover are the NFL, NBA, and MLB, uh, and that's that's how we approach it. 
Yeah, I mean, right now, if you sign up, your 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 uh, membership is frozen until the sports start back up. So you're going to be able to enjoy all the fun we have in the Discord and all the good information we share and the fun contests we do. And then once sports starts up, you're already going to be, you know, a member and you're going to be ready to go because it's it's going to be crazy once sports starts back up and we're going to be prepared because we've been taking this time, the downtime to prepare instead of just, you know, uh, waiting for sports to come back. We're attacking the information and uh, getting ready all the time. So it's a it's a great membership um, and membership includes all sports. So because we're going to probably at some point we may be in a situation where we have NFL NBA and MLB going on at the same time. We'll see how the schedules shake out. So, and those are the three things that we specialize in and your membership includes all those sports, which is awesome. Yeah, that's right. September could be a crazy month if everything goes smoothly and we get all these sports back up and running. We could have the playoffs for baseball and basketball as the regular season NFL is getting kicked off or at least the preseason if they, even if they move it back a few weeks. So fingers crossed for that. Yeah, that's going to it's going to be we're going to go from no sports to, you know, like sports heaven, you know, real, real quick here. So it there may not be fans in the crowds, but there's going to be a ton of people watching and a lot of people. We're going to be uh, building awesome lineups. So it, it's going to be exciting. Now, as I look at that uh, Detroit Tigers hat, uh, I might as well mention on Twitter. Um, that reminds me of your Twitter handle. So tell folks where they can find you on Twitter, Shane. Well, my Twitter handle is D.E.T. Sports Shane, so D E T Sports S H A N E. So yeah, definitely hit me up on Twitter. Excellent, and you can find me at Language Olympic. So uh, thank you so much for for following us, tuning in, and wherever you're listening, please, if you have a second, give a thumbs up, positive review uh, on the podcast. Or if you want to watch and you're not on YouTube, uh, we are putting these videos up on YouTube now. So come over and give uh, give a thumbs up and subscribe so that you get the notification when the video posts every day. All right, Shane. Well, yesterday we embarked on our virtual tour around the NFL. We're starting in the NFC West. Yesterday we hit the Cardinals. Today we're going to break down the LA Rams. They finished nine and seven last year. Uh, some big changes on offense. Uh, so give me your initial thoughts on, uh, you know, how the offense looks as we head into 2020. Yeah, I mean, they were coming off that huge year in 2018, you know, Super Bowl year, 13-3. and Todd Gurley was on fire. Jared Goff was looking like he was proving people wrong. And Sean McVay was the prodigy, you know, the genius, right? Uh, So then you fast forward 2019, all of a sudden their offensive line's looking a little shaky. Todd Gurley, his knee's looking a little iffy. You know, that happened really going into that playoff run in 2018. So all of a sudden now you went from basically the number one offense, uh, most dynamic, most creative fantasy gold to an offense that was kind of struggling and inconsistent. So it was a huge, huge uh, shift there uh, for this offense. And uh, it was very surprising. Uh, Now, being that they have a creative offense, they still put up some good stats, but it wasn't as consistent Uh, for some of these players. It was boom or bust. And you certainly couldn't trust guys like Todd Gurley that you used to be able to trust. Um, Jared Goff was pretty inconsistent. And like I said, the running game wasn't there. I think everything was predicated off the running game, the play action pass, and 
uh, running backs catching balls out of the backfield too, like Todd Gurley. And they didn't, they didn't excel in those categories uh, in 2019. So it really hurt their fantasy production. So that, that burned a lot of people. Uh, yeah. So we'll talk about some of the changes they made and hopefully that will reignite this offense because it was a little disappointing, even though they weren't, you know, it's not like they were the bottom rank. They still had some good things going, but compared to where they were, that was a huge disappointment. Yeah, and you're right. That that rushing game was a real problem. They were 26th in the NFL last year. They only gained 1,809 yards on the ground at only 3.7 yards per carry. And the trickle-down effect of that is really huge because we know how much the Rams love the play-action pass uh, to set Goff up. And, you know, a lot has been made over the last couple of years of how much success the Rams have in the passing game on the play-action pass. And it just wasn't as effective last year with that poor rushing attack. So uh, Gurley is gone now. Uh, That's one of the big changes. Brandon Cooks is gone. Um, So two huge changes on offense. And before I forget, there is a new offensive coordinator this year for the Rams. It's Kevin O'Connell, a 34-year-old, so really right in McVay's wheelhouse in terms of the age. Um, But uh, he spent the last three years in Washington. He was two years he was the quarterback's coach. Last year, he was the offensive coordinator. But we all know that the Redskins had a very tough year last year offensively, uh, just near the bottom in in all the major categories. So I'm not very confident that he's going to provide a huge boost. Um, but as you started to allude to there earlier, it's going to be a different look without Gurley and, and without Cooks. Yeah, I guess we're going to see, uh, you know, he may be a, with McVay brought him in because he's a very creative mind and they can come out with new innovative concepts to get, to get players open and to uh, ignite that running game again. So it could have been that he wasn't successful because the lack of talent they had in Washington, because they didn't really have much of a running game. Uh, they didn't have a good quarterback. So it's kind of hard to fault him there. Um, but yeah, it's one of the things we're going to have to keep our eye on to see how creative this offense is with the new offensive coordinator. Um, but yeah, it definitely makes you a little bit skeptical, a little bit nervous, uh, being that you know Washington was really horrible when he was the coordinator. Yeah, let me give you some stats. They were dead last in the league in passing yardage, 28th in passing touchdowns, 22nd in rushing yards, and 26th in rushing touchdowns. So really, across the board, it was just very weak. Um, you know, you mentioned they, it's not like they had the greatest collection of skill players out there. But, um, you know, skeptical, I think, is a great word for it. So, um, yeah. you know, as we've started to do here in these breakdowns, we usually start off with the quarterback as we break down the offense. Um, tell me a little bit about, about Jared Goff. Yeah, so Jared Goff... You know, he was he was under he was under a lot of pressure in uh, 2019 and he was really just a lot of short passes, a lot of really quick passes. So it's a high paced offense, which is good. A lot of quick passes. Um, But he was he was very inconsistent and he never was able to have for fantasy really any ceiling games. Uh, So when I'm looking at his stats here, you know, 40, 46, 38 yards. So he was actually pretty good for yards uh, last year. The problem was, is he only had 22 touchdowns and he also threw 16 interceptions. Um, And when you're losing points for interceptions, you're not getting enough touchdowns. That just was never, he was never able to have those ceiling games that he had the year before. Uh, Only 7.4 yards per attempt, which is uh, not great. He wasn't really getting much deep ball. 
decent completion percentage, 62.9, but like, again, just quick passes, you know, getting it out because he didn't trust the offensive line. He didn't have a running game like he did before, an efficient running game. And Jared Goff is not really that good under pressure. You know, he's got a, he's a good arm talent, but he's not that good in the pocket maneuvering under pressure. Uh, you know, so that's the problem is he doesn't excel. He needs the right environment, the right system and the right talent around him and a good offensive line to be to be good. And they had that. Uh, you know, 2018. Uh, and they just, yeah, it, I think everyone took that for granted. Like the Rams are just going to be this high powered offense every year. And, you know, their offense was still good. I mean, the nice thing is they they run a fast pace of play, like third in the league in pace of play, which is great. Um, they still were 10th in points per game, 24.6. So considering everything was going bad, they may not be that far away from getting up into the top, you know, uh, five or six, you know, teams in offense again. But Jared Goff, uh, he he didn't really have any games over 30 points. So if you're looking to take down like a DFS tournament, you need you need those guys that are the surprise guys that are going to put up huge ceiling games. And he wasn't able to do that. He did have eight games on DraftKings over 20 points and six games on FanDuel over 20 points. So he was a hit or miss cash game type guy if the salary was right. His salary wasn't really that cheap though either. So um, so what's, what's your opinion on uh, Jared Goff there? Yeah. So here's what I want to start with for my thoughts on Goff. I want to run a, a stat line by you and I want you to give me a grade on it. All right. So yeah. this is a, this is a stat line from Goff. All right. 19 for 38, 229 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. So without any more context, what's your grade on that? I think that's an F. Yeah. That's a bad, yeah, bad game. That's what happens with Jared Goff is under pressure and he doesn't have uh, an elite running game. That's Jared Goff. So. And so, believe it or not, that is his stat line from the Super Bowl uh, in, in 2019. He was 50% completion percentage, only 229 yards, no touchdowns, had to pick. Obviously, yeah. the Rams couldn't even score a touchdown in that 13-3 loss against the Patriots. Oh man, that was an ugly. That was an ugly Super Bowl. If you like defense, I guess. But man, yeah, right. <laughs> but it, you know, it's funny how you say that he's not good under pressure, and of course, you're talking about you know the breakdown with the offensive line. But you know, he really didn't step up to the occasion with the the pressure of the Super Bowl, and yeah. I think that had a bit of a lingering effect on him. You know, you you mentioned his turnovers. And if you look back, he's really had a downward trend in terms of his ball control. And yeah. last year, in addition to those 16 picks, he also fumbled the ball seven times. Yeah, so that's right. All in all, because he also ran for two scores, he had 24 touchdowns, but 23 turnovers. And that's just not going to cut it. Yeah, no, he's he's really going to need some of these uh, younger players to step up and help him out uh, this year. Um, they might be able to have a resurgence, but yeah, it's almost like Jeff Fisher came back to coach him last year or something. <laughs> Remember how bad he oh, was? Oh no, please no. Like, yeah, yeah, that's horrible. I mean, come yeah. on, McVay. Uh, yeah. So you know, they were still top ten in some in uh, some categories. Uh, in the the passing, they were ranked uh, with the uh, as a team forty four ninety eight, almost forty five hundred yards, and that's fourth ranked for passing yards. The problem is. A lot of turnovers, not that many touchdowns. So really, it was just like, you know, dinking and dunking, you know, garbage time, but not efficient at all. So it didn't equate to fantasy production, which is really all we care about anyways. So. Yeah. And, and, you know, you're right. You did, he didn't really have the ceiling game last year. 
The only game all season when he had three touchdowns was the final game of the regular season against Arizona. They were already eliminated from the playoffs. So, again, when there's no pressure and you're playing a terrible defense like Arizona last year, then he has a decent game. But you really just could not count on him for any ceiling games throughout the middle of the season against the solid opponents. So, Yeah, um, so he's a quarterback that you might look at if it's a game that no one's talking about, mm -hmm. doesn't seem to be any pressure, maybe he's at home. And it doesn't seem to be any pressure on him, and it's a, just a good matchup. You know, uh, you know, you you might take a shot at a guy like that because he is talented uh, still, and the offense should get a little bit better this year. But uh, yeah, they're, they're they they definitely had an off a disappointing season. Yes, they did. So in terms of the offense getting better, one area where they're hoping for improvement is in the backfield, and it's a big challenge because Todd Gurley is gone. Uh, they did get a second round draft pick with Cam Akers, so he's in the mix. And here's the question, the million-dollar question with this backfield chain is, in a, in a perfect world, who do you think will be the lead running back for the Rams this season? Well, I've heard some people say Daryl Henderson, but I think he's inconsistent. Uh, I think he's undersized, and he's really more of a third-down type you know, receiving back to me. Malcolm Brown, to me, is more of a plotter. He's solid and consistent. He's really more of like a goal line, change of pace type back. So not a big fan of him. So I'm really targeting Cam Akers. If Cam Akers, the rookie, if he can if he can acclimate and learn this offense fast enough, I think rookie running backs can make a bigger impact in most positions. Uh, if you look at Cam Akers, he's 5'10", 217 pounds. So he's got a decent amount of weight to him, lower center of gravity compared to like a you know, a Todd Gurley type player. And I love it. You know, his combine was great. I mean, at, at decent weight, he's running four, four, seven, forty 40 time. Uh, his workouts were great. You know, his quickness. And really in college, like last year alone, he he forced 74 missed tackles. So the guy can break tackles. He's got quickness and home run speed. And that was at Florida State where he didn't have a good offensive line, really not that great of an offense. And he excelled. Um, and the guy put up Still 1,144 yards, a five, uh, five, five uh, yards per carry, and 14 touchdowns last year. Then he also came up with 30 receptions, 225 yards, four touchdowns. So I'm looking for Cam Akers to have a big year. I don't know if it's going to be right out the gate. Sometimes it takes rookies a little bit of time to acclimate. So I, if, if, if he's not acclimating right away, I still prefer Malcolm Brown. Uh, I'm skeptical on Daryl Henderson. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see who they, uh, I think it's going to be a pretty good battle on camp there. I do too. Uh, and I, again, I think this is one of the edges that we're going to provide here at DFS coach talk is here we are in early May breaking down the backfield and we haven't even got to any sort of OTAs preseason. Uh, but I'm with you, you know, in the preseason, I'm going to be ready to target Cam Akers. Uh, I think he's got a lot of talent. Uh, if he can, you know, learn the playbook quickly enough, you know, my prediction would be that he's going to be the lead back. Uh, we see it, you know, time and time again now in the modern NFL. These teams aren't going to spend a second-round draft pick on a running back if they don't plan on using him. And he's only—he's 20 years old, so he's young and fast. Uh, he's got an edge over these guys that have been there. They haven't really done much. They've had their chance. Uh, you, you mentioned some great stats for Henderson. I'm sorry, for Akers. Um, and again, you're playing in what was widely regarded as a playing behind what was widely regarded as a poor offensive line at Florida State just makes it all that more impressive. Apparently, he's gotten really good grades on his pass protection. 
Uh, so, you know, one more edge to help Goff a little bit. So I, I like him as an early season play, uh, certainly in preseason. So we'll be on top of that. And then in terms of Brown and Henderson digging in a, a little bit more, I agree with you. If if I had to, you know, if they were going to, if the Rams were going to play tomorrow and I had to predict a starter or who I would play, it would be Malcolm Brown. You know, he at least got in the end zone with five touchdowns last year. You know, like everybody else on the roster, he only averaged 3.7 yards per carry. So, you, you know, you're right to describe a, a little bit more of a plotter. You know, he didn't hit a, hit a bunch of home runs. Um, but uh, to me, he performed a little bit better than Daryl Henderson, who got about half as many carries. You know, he was also 3.8 yards per attempt. He only caught four passes all season. So it's not like he's shown a lot in terms of, oh, wow, we got to have this guy in the field because he's so great catching the catching the ball. His ceiling game last year was 8.9 on DraftKings. That was the game over in London, and Malcolm Brown didn't even play that game. So if there's anything we learned about Daryl Henderson, it's uh, – you know, he hasn't proven it on American soil yet. He's got to go to London to have even a decent game. Yeah, exactly. Apparently that long, long plane ride actually helped him out. But yeah, you know, he's very inconsistent. The fact he didn't get that much playing time, uh, even with the injuries they had, tells me that they didn't trust him early on. So unless he can do some kind of huge uh, change in the up and off season here for up, being an upgrade, um, I don't think the coaches trust him. That's why. Uh, you know, Cam Akers was the very first pick that they had in the draft. So that tells you what their priority were right there. And really, Cam Akers was the type of talent that could have been a first round pick. But as you know, this NFL draft uh, was pretty deep on running backs. It was deep in other positions, which pushed those running backs down. So it devalued that position. So Cam Akers is the type of guy that could be a first round talent. They got in the second round with the 52nd pick. So that was their priority, and that tells you everything you need to know about how much they trust Daryl Henderson, in my opinion. You know, if they loved Henderson, then why would they use their very first pick in the draft on Cam Akers? You know, absolutely. Yeah. So, we're, so we're in agreement there on Akers uh, being the target. Uh, just not much, you know, that jumps off the page with Brown or Henderson. Uh, I'll just mention that Brown's one ceiling game. He had two games over 10 fantasy points, but the the ceiling game for him came in Week One when he vultured two touchdowns from Gurley. Against Carolina, <laughs> people were pretty mad. <laughs> I think you know what? I think that's part of the reason why I didn't really like the first week last year. I think I had some Gurley, and I didn't have Lamar Jackson like you, and as you were crushing it in week one. <laughs> yeah, I think they thought the Gurley's uh, knee was going to give out right before he crossed the the goal line. You know, <laughs> they didn't yeah. trust him. Where Melvin Brown's pretty strong, younger guy. You know, so they didn't trust Gurley. I don't, I think it's just the arthritis and the de- deterioration of his knee and him being a bigger guy. You know, we'll see how he does in Atlanta. He might be able to uh, hit a few games, but I, I obviously, you know, you knew when they were in that playoff run and all of a sudden Todd Gurley wasn't getting carries. Something was wrong. They weren't just like, oh, we want to change a pace. We would like to lose the Super Bowl. No, right. that's not how it works. Okay, <laughs> something was going on. They were very secretive about it, but you know. They they took a big cap hit and some dead money to to get rid of Gurley and Brandon Cook. So that's where this team is. They're in a bad salary cap position. So they're relying on draft picks, younger guys, cheap free agents, and undrafted free agents is what this team's going to be because they have some superstars. Um, but they're 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 not in a good salary cap situation. You know. Yeah, they're really not. Some huge contracts and Goff's yeah. the sort of the last guy standing with the monster contract. So let's talk a little bit about Goff's weapons on on the outside. This is an important receiving core in fantasy guys that get a lot of catches um, and really a little bit more clarity than in the backfield. 
so tell me a little bit about this receiving core. Yeah, obviously you start with everything starts with Cooper Cup. Uh, he had a breakout year. A lot of people didn't think he was going to be uh, one of the top, uh, you know, uh, really uh, wide receivers. They thought he was going to be decent, you know, a decent kind of PPR type guy. Uh, he ends up being overall fantasy, uh, you know, rating number four wide receiver. Uh, he was kind of a boomer bust type guy, though. He had those huge monster games, but then sometimes he would trick you and you would fall into the trap of playing him and he would only have, you know, six to eight fantasy points, like all of a sudden choke. But he had huge games of, uh, you know, I'm sure that you were probably on him on DK, I can imagine, right? Because of the, uh, he's a PPR, he had huge yep. plays. I mean, we had top D- DraftKings games of 38 points, 36.2 points 29.9 and 29.7 so he's consistently he had those four games there the problem is um he he had he also had some really bad games too uh out of nowhere we were like where did that come from you know we were like this is for sure a smash spot for cooper cup and all of a sudden he he didn't do well so overall 94 catches 1161 yards and 10 touchdowns so he even though he's not a big guy he was their number one red zone threat so i mean you got to love that the problem was is that he did it all in basically, uh, you know, the four or five weeks, of, uh, you know, so he was the ultimate hit or miss boomer bust type guy. Uh, did, did you experience the same thing with Cooper? I did. And, and yeah, certainly he's a he's a guy that I target on DraftKings as a as a PPR monster. And yeah. you mentioned really the key stat that set him apart is, is those 10 touchdowns compared to Robert Woods, who, who we'll get to. I mean, he just yeah. has ha- he's had a chemistry with Jared Goff here for a couple of years now. Uh, Goff loves to throw to him, and yep. you can't you can't blame him. He just does an excellent job getting open, making catches, um, and you know you got to love him in fantasy because of that high upside. You know he aver- he actually averaged more fantasy points last year than Goff, which <laughs> says a lot about Cup and it says a lot about Goff. You know there yeah. there are a few quarterbacks like that in the league with uh, you know guys who are just PPR monsters like. Devontae, average, Devontae, Ad, Devontae Adams averaged more than Rodgers last year because he was a monster. Um, you know, Hopkins was right up there with Deshaun Watson, um, yeah. a couple others like that. But, you know, in general, it's, it's pretty rare. Um, a lot of these star quarterbacks average five or six more points per week than, you know, the, than their receivers. So, yeah, they definitely should. <laughs> you know, Cup, Cup is certainly, you know, much more often a, a target for me than Goff. In you know in GPPs on DraftKings, and that'll that'll stay the same this year. Um, yep. You know he really, for a guy that gave you that many um, weeks where he was right around 30 fantasy points or higher on DraftKings. Yeah. His max price last year was 7.4k. You know he was in that six to seven and a half k range. Um, so really just got you great value. And yeah, he was a better value on DraftKings. Um, he was one of the top rated. Uh, scoring receivers on there, but he wasn't among the top uh, for price range. Where on FanDuel, he was in the top 10 on pricing, but outside of the top 10 on scoring, right? So he wasn't as good a value on FanDuel, but DraftKings, he was he was a, a good value based on his pricing. Um, yeah. So yeah, and he's a little bit more, uh, a, he's definitely a PPR type guy. He got a, a lot of targets, you know, which was good. And, you know, he's and I'll, I'll also add that um, he did have those four games under 10 fantasy points, those duds, but three of them came right in a row in the middle of the season. So hopefully that was just a, a bad stretch where he was a little bit hampered 
And this upcoming year, we can count on a little bit more consistency and, uh, you know, more consistent floor. Yeah. And I look at the overall offense is if Cam Akers comes in and does what I think he's going to do, that offense is going to be rolling more. And that's more opportunities for Cooper Cup being that he's kind of the red zone target. So just higher scoring in general, more for everyone. So, yeah, I think at the and that's going to set up the play action better. And, you know, a lot, a lot, a uh, lot more room to operate for Cooper Cup. Next on the list, we've got Robert Woods, who was very similar with his stats. He had 90 catches over 100, over 1100 yards, just like Cooper Cup. But he yeah. only got in the end zone twice and through the air. That is he did. He did get 17 carries for 115 yards and one score on the ground. You know, we, we've also seen that be a, a theme where. Uh, Sean McVay will get the ball in the hands of the receivers any way he can, including with uh, with the end rounds and, and ends around and, and the reverses. Um, and then with Woods, uh, sort of similar with Cup, he had uh, five games over 20 on DraftKings, two games over 30. But he also had some duds. He had six games under 10. Um, so very similar stat line here with Woods. He just didn't have the touchdowns that Cup had. Yeah, it's uh, he was he was kind of a workman a workman uh, type receiver, you know, good route runner, you know, strong. Yeah, it seems like he'd be good in the red zone. He had in past seasons. I remember I, it seems like I kept playing him like, hey, this is going to be the week that he gets a couple touchdowns. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you kept you kept waiting like he's going to mm-hmm. get touchdowns. The guy's getting targets. He's getting receptions and yards. He just never he never got it. But a lot of that was account to again the overall offense wasn't as good. You know, not as much time for golf to throw. Um, and Woods wasn't excelling in those uh, really quick, you know, passes. So, you know, uh, yeah, so it's just very inconsistent. Uh, you can see that Goff's uh, bad play really affected these wide receivers, uh, where Cooper Cup was able to excel just because he was just absolutely on fire, you know. But uh, Robert Woods was solid, though, uh, but definitely up and down, inconsistent. He ended up being wide receiver 14, which is good for for Robert Woods, you know, for the price. And yes. he was he was a good yeah he was usually good very uh, good priced uh, so he was a value guy especially earlier in the year too I think so yeah he was ranging from 5.4 to 7k on DraftKings so yeah. uh, very nice return there for a guy with that many catches 90 catches so yeah. how about the rest of the receiving core now that Cooks is gone do you think Josh Reynolds is going to be uh, you know next man up and have the inside track to get uh, the bulk of those extra targets. You know, Josh Reynolds kind of had has had his opportunity the last few years, and he's had a couple good games because, you know, Brandon Cooks has been injured. There's been injuries. Cooper Cup was injured a little bit. So he hasn't really capitalized, and he was kind of trending downward. When the offense started sputtering, it didn't seem like he was getting as many targets. He really didn't produce last year. So I'm not as high on Josh Reynolds. He'll have to show me different, but I don't, I don't think Josh Reynolds is the guy, which, again, brings you back to the draft, uh, you know, Again, right after Cam Akers, they uh, got a, had another second-round pick, and they took Van Jefferson, uh, wide receiver out of Florida. Uh, and this guy is—he's not an elite speed guy or elite quickness. He's just a solid wide receiver. He, he's got good size. And his dad is a uh, Sean Jefferson, who played in the league. He was actually a coach, uh, a played and played for and coach for the Detroit Lions. Really good wide receiver coach. So him having his dad as a wide receiver coach, the guy's way ahead of the game in terms of what to expect at the pro level. Uh, and he, yeah, he had six touchdowns the last two game, uh, two seasons uh, at Florida. 
Um, so and Florida's not actually known for having an elite, you know, quarterback or passing offense either. Um, so I like Van Jefferson, 6'2, 197 pounds. Uh, in 12 games, he had 49 catches, 657 yards uh, last year, six touchdowns. So I I do like his uh his ability in this uh offense to hopefully get into the uh three wide receiver sets. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I, I support that approach. I think Josh Reynolds um I think he's got decent skill, but you're right. He hasn't really exploded at any time. He only had one game last year over 10 fantasy points. You know, it's just pretty consistent where he just gets you, you know, one or two catches per game. Yeah. Um, so he only scored the one touchdown against Cincinnati, uh, tw- only 21 catches on the season. So I, I agree. I think Van Jefferson has a chance to uh, become that third wide receiver. And you can see the maturity in his routes. Um, with his dad having that background, oh, yeah. I, I like the I like the way he he sets up the slant pattern um, and, and gets separation, which yeah. which he needs without the lightning speed. Um, but yeah, interesting. He, looked, he looked really good at the Senior Bowl uh, yeah. going up against matchups, one on one matchups. He looked really good there. So yeah, uh, and you could see his skill uh, definitely with the route running. So and the interesting thing for Jefferson is. This really is sort of the trade piece for Cooks. When they sent Cooks to Houston along with a fourth rounder in the 2022 draft, 2022 draft, they got the second round pick back from Houston and used it on Van on Van Jefferson. Now, you might think, well, does that mean that he's going to replace Cooks' role in the offense and be that deep deep threat? I don't think he's going to be the deep threat that Cooks was. He Last year, he only had five receptions where the depth of target was over 20 yards downfield. Yeah. Um, another concern for me is that he only, he only had three broken tackles all of last year. So hmm. uh, he's not, you know, a rugged guy. He doesn't have the deep threat potential that Cooks did. Uh, but I agree. He could be, uh, you know, another really reliable guy on those shorter passes. And we've talked about it, you know, Goff. He kind of needs to get the ball out quick to be successful. Yeah, yeah, and I think he, he showed – Van Jefferson showed good route running, good body control, and, uh, you know, good good attacking the ball uh, in the red zone. So that's where he had those six touchdowns in the last, uh, last few years with not really that much volume in that passing game. Uh, so, yeah, he, he showed that he could be a red zone threat. Yeah, and like you said, he's not going to be this elite deep, deep threat, but I, they don't really have a guy on this – on this team besides, uh, you know, Cooper cup can hit the deep ball or you know, run after catch, but there's not going to be that type of offense. They're not going to be the, the home run type offense. Uh, they're just, they're going to be more picking you apart. And again, it goes back to, they're going to be relying on that running game. If they can actually get it going, if they can, if cam makers can be the spark plug they need, you know? Absolutely. Well, the, the tight end group is also interesting to me. Um, Tyler Higby really finished the season strong last year. Uh, what are you expecting out of him in 2020? Yeah, I think, you know, again, uh, Gerald Everett, I think, was hurt for a few games. And Tyler Higby uh, just went off. Uh, and again, quick passes. Goff is looking for those big targets. He doesn't have that many big, you know, taller targets at wide receiver. Right. Uh, so he's looking for those quick passes over the middle, you know, hit the seam. They can run tight end screens with that offense being 
being creative, they can really uh, they can really get the tight ends open and run a lot of uh, innovative routes there. And Tyler Higby showed he's uh, yeah very is actually showed good athleticism and great hands and awareness there. Yeah, having uh, coming kind of out of nowhere for a tight end, uh, what do you have? Seven hundred thirty-four receiving yards, sixty-nine touch uh, catches three touchdowns. So yeah, really solid there. So they might use Gerald Everett more as a, as a blocker because a little more physical, bigger guy and, and use more Tyler Higby. So I think his, his outlook is actually looking pretty good. Yeah. He really took advantage of that opportunity down the stretch when Everett was injured for, for three of those games. Uh, as I mentioned, five, five straight games to end the season with 20 fantasy points on DraftKings. Uh, two of those were against Arizona. We talked yesterday about, attacking Arizona with tight ends. And, you know, he certainly fell into that category last year. Um, But they did sign him to a four-year deal last fall for $31 So they've invested in him. I I think he's going to continue to get a lot of targets. This is uh, Everett's in the last year of his rookie deal. Um, So uh, we'll see what happens with him. But uh, the Rams went out and drafted a, another tight end, which yeah. surpri- surprised some because, you know, Higby and Everett are solid guys with multiple years of experience. Yeah. Uh, but they drafted Hopkins out of Purdue. Yeah. And it, he was uh, Hopkins actually ended up being uh, 2019 all AP All-American. Uh, huge production at Purdue. 61 catches last year, 830 yards, seven touchdowns. Uh, so you can actually put him, uh, you know, he's 6'4", 245, so he's a little undersized, but he ran a 4.66 at the uh, 40 uh, at the combine. So he's pretty, he's got pretty good speed for a guy that size, and you can put him in that slot tight end role. Again, with this being a creative offense, and now the wide receiver depth is a little questionable. You know, we'll see how it is with Van Jefferson. They can, they can put him in the slot and uh, line him up as and create mismatches there, uh, depending on uh, who they're going up against. So that's a guy that I think that could be a rotational player. I don't see him coming in as a rookie. Uh, it's pretty hard for a tight end uh, with the multiple responsibilities. I don't see him coming in and making a big contribution right away. But it's another one of those players that you'll want to monitor, depending on injury situations and how he develops. Um, because I think that he had he had some weaknesses, some issues with dropping the ball in college. Um, you know, he wasn't necessarily elite, even though he was all American. Uh, but yeah, he put up good stats, good production, and, uh, they, they might be able to find a role for him, but I don't think it's going to happen quick. Uh, what, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I don't think he's going to get on the field for blocking. I think he is more of that, you know, hybrid tight end slot receiver type. And I think what you mentioned with his speed, that's going to be what will give him the edge and get, get him a chance to be on the field. I mean, if you just got one more guy with uh, surprising speed, maybe get a mismatch. I think he'll have an opportunity, certainly if if either of those other guys goes down. Uh, but he may be another guy to target in uh, in the preseason. Yeah, I mean, he's, a, he's a definitely a, a, a really good athlete for his size, and, you know, he has a knack for making big plays. So, you know, put up the production. So he's just one of those guys doesn't impress in one in area, but really if you look at the film and look at his production, it's, it's really good. So... Um, yeah, so I think he has potential. I think they drafted him for a specific role in that offense. You know, I don't think it was by accident. And um, what, uh, let's see, what round did they draft him in? Yeah, I mean, it, it was actually fourth round. So, fourth round, yep. Yeah, so, I mean, it was, you know, that's that was pretty early pick for them because they didn't start picking to the se- second round, you right. know. So, right. Yeah. Yep. Well, um, that covers the, the offensive uh, look. 
Uh, let's start to break down the defense. Uh, I mentioned the new offensive coordinator, and the Rams also have a new defensive coordinator this year. It's Brandon Staley, a 37-year-old. He's been the outside linebackers coach for the Bears and Broncos during the last three years. Uh, so he's the newest addition to the staff. Um, what are your thoughts on on the defense? Yeah, I mean, Wade Phillips is a pretty tough guy to to follow there. He's a great defensive coordinator, but having like a younger coordinator come in could be good. Um, they did they did lose uh, on defense there. They lost Eric Weddle, who obviously was a veteran safety uh, for the defensive uh, backfield there. Um, and that he was kind of a, a definitely a leader uh, with his experience. So they lost him. They lost Clay Matthews, who was actually, even though he's kind of older, pretty good at rushing the passer. Um, so you, obviously this defense starts and ends with, uh, uh, Aaron Donald, probably one of the best players, uh, defensive tackles of all time, probably the best defensive player in the whole league. So it starts with him and they have Jalen Ramsey, who's one of the best corners in the league. They, so this is the first time they'll have a full year with Jalen Ramsey in the trade. They gave up a lot to get him. Um, so he could, he's definitely a shutdown corner. So I do like the prospect there. The problem is, Beyond that, they have a lot of youth and inexperience, and I don't know how much leadership they have now for like their secondary and their linebacker group. Um, they did bring in a couple guys, uh, Leonard Floyd as an as an edge rusher. Uh, so they brought in a couple guys. They brought in uh, uh, Ashawn Robinson, who's played for Detroit, who's a big D tackle, so they can rotate him in there with Brockers and Aaron Donald. So I do like the D tackles, um, but this uh, this defense. Uh, did struggle a little bit against the run. They gave up over 1,800 rushing yards. They were ranked 19th last year. So people were attacking them in the rushing game. Their pass defense was actually decent, giving up only 36 to 25 yards toward 12th in the league. So I kind of feel like they might take a little step back there in the pass defense. Um, and the rush defense probably will be a middle of the pack. So they're kind of a middle of the pack uh, defense. They were ranked 13th in yards given up. 17th and points given up so kind of a middle of the pack but I think there might have some inconsistencies with this youth movement that they have uh with a little bit of lack of experience now yeah and you mentioned uh, Jalen Ramsey coming over last year in the middle of the season and he certainly had a huge impact before he arrived uh the Rams were 16th in yards per pass play given up and after his arrival down the stretch they were sixth uh, in, in weeks seven through 17. So he made a major impact. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the youth movement and the Rams certainly tried to address some defensive needs through the draft, uh, starting with edge rusher Terrell Lewis out of Alabama. Yeah, Terrell Lewis is, uh, you know, he's an athletic freak and a, a physical guy. And um, he didn't he didn't play as much till later in his career at Alabama because it was just a stacked defense and he had some injury issues. But when he was playing in terms of his his ability to rush the passer and how physical and uh, fast he was, uh, got great length and size. You know, he's act, yeah, he's actually really good. So they got him in the third round. So I think he's going to be competing for that starting outside linebacker spot, the edge spot opposite of Leonard Floyd. Uh, so I think that they, they did have a good draft to help fill some of those needs and that, that will help there. Um, and then they got a, uh, some safeties. Uh, they got Terrell uh, Burgess out of Utah, who's a top, one of the top rated uh, safeties and that Utah defense was awesome. So that, so that was a good pick as well. Yeah, you're right. They got uh, Burgess and then Fuller 
from Ohio State. And uh, Lewis, um, you're right, he dealt with injuries in 17 and 18. And uh, once he was healthy last year, he got six and a half sacks, 11 and a half tackles for loss. And here's my theory. Uh, With the new defensive coordinator being Brandon Staley, who's been coaching outside linebackers, Shane, yeah. I think I think Sean McVay threw him a little bone and said, here, you're, you you like your outside linebackers. We're going to draft Terrell Lewis here, our first defensive player off the board, just to make you happy. Oh, absolutely. No, they, they need playmakers in that defense because you can't rely on Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey to do everything. I'm sorry, you can't. Those guys are awesome, but, you, you know, you need 11 guys. So, yeah, so they, they are they – are, uh, well, if he develops, yeah, that could make a big difference for this defense. I think it's – I think they are what they are. I think they're a middle of the pack defense, and it really depends if this team can make a push. Uh, NFC West is a tough division. San Francisco is still by far the best team in that in that division, and uh, and Seattle's not going anywhere with Russell Wilson and those guys. Arizona's probably getting better. So this is a tough division, and I think that um, they're really relying. I keep. I, I just have to keep going back. They're really relying on that run game. Can they? Can their offensive line play better this year? The offensive line was disappointing, and can the? Uh, I mean, because the offensive line was ranked by Pro Football Focus overall, ranked like 31st in the league. So they they really weren't that good. Um, so if I think that's going to be a big for this team. It's can they get the running game going? Can Cam Cam Akers be dynamic for them? Uh, be that you know, even if he just had a decent percentage of what Todd Gurley's production was when Todd Gurley was in his prime in this offense. This is a perfect offense set up for running back. So that's, that's my opinion on it. Absolutely. So uh, you mentioned the other teams in the division, San Francisco and Seattle. We'll be previewing those teams this weekend. Shane, you'll be on with Mike tomorrow to break down the Seahawks. Yeah. Um, I do want to mention uh, as we wrap up here that you can find us anywhere podcasts are found. Uh, please give us a thumbs up. Feel free to send us feedback. Um, our our leader, Joe Sarvati, affectionately known as Coach, always likes us to mention his favorite charity uh, set up by Kobe Bryant's widow. It is MambaOn3.org. So go take a look at that. Shane, any final thoughts here as we kick off May and, and continue our role through the NFC West? Oh yeah, I'm excited to see what the what the LA Rams can do. Uh, still, still remains to be seen if they're going to be playing in that new stadium right away. Because uh, I've heard rumors there was construction delays. I don't know what the latest construction, you know, is going on there, but we'll see if they're going to uh, play in their in that new stadium. And that's exciting for the city of uh, LA. And uh, this team, uh, you know, has a chance to improve, but they're going to need a lot of things to go right to be able to get back up on the top in the NFC West and be a contender again. Um, so it, it, it is very interesting. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they improved this season, but I can't see them making big enough differences to improve uh, that much. So that's so it's going to be interesting to watch them. Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be a, a real challenge to try to compete with San Fran and, and Seattle. So as I mentioned, be sure to tune in again tomorrow as Shane and Mike will break down the Seattle Seahawks. And on behalf of Shane Caldwell, I am Andrew Hansen. Thank you so much for tuning in and be sure to tune in again tomorrow for the next episode of DFS Coach Talk.